You're listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Hosted by Rev Yearwood, Mustafa Santiago Ali, and me, Antonique Smith. Each week, we host important conversations with innovators, policymakers, cultural influencers, and movement leaders who are leading the way to a 100% clean energy and just world. Welcome to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. I am Rev Yearwood, president and CEO of the Hip Hop Caucus. Welcome to our radio show and podcast that delivers real talk on climate change and environmental justice. No sides, just the facts and stronger communities. We are going to have a show for you today. So thank you to WPFW for hosting us here in the studio. And also a big thank you to all of our listeners who tune in each week. Man, we love you all. Now, please make sure and check out more about the show at think100.info and be sure to follow us online at think100show. That's at think100show. I want to just get right into the democracy side, what we can do, because democracy is, is that piece. And so who better, who, who better to discuss democracy than somebody from the Democracy Initiative? Man, the amazing Wendy Fields, man. So we have a very special guest. And so this is Wendy Fields. She is the executive director of the Democracy Initiative is a coalition of organizations launched in 2013 working toward a bright future in which all Americans participate fully and freely in the democratic process. I just want to say this too, that organizations that are part of this coalition pursue a diverse range of progressive goals. Now, you've heard me say numerous times that one of the problems within our movement is that sometimes we have a siloed progressive movement. That's the one thing that we can be picked off. We have, you know, we, you can see one day is, is black folk marching, one day is brown folk marching, one day is folks working for climate, and next day is workers' rights. This is an initiative that has not only progressive goals, but you have folks who are in a coalition from civil rights, workers' rights, women's rights, and climate justice. And so they know that success in any of these areas depends on reforming our democracy. So with that being said, think 100% the coolest show on climate change is proudly hip hop caucus is proudly part of this coalition, um, along with many other organizations that do environmental work, including Sierra club, Greenpeace, NRDC 350 and more. So with that, Wendy, welcome to think 100%. Well, thank you. I am excited to be here. Fired up? I, I'm fired up. Ready I'm to go? fired and ready to go. Well, listen, let's jump right. Let's jump. <laughs> let's but, go. Come on, let's, let's make it happen. Now, y'all don't know Wendy, but well, I'll tell you, man. So, man, tell, tell me where you're from first. Where are you from? Um, well, right now I just moved here from Michigan, spent 17 years. I used to spend 20 years in the labor movement, the United Auto Workers Union. But I come from Connecticut, a little town called New London, Connecticut, okay. on the waterfront. Yeah. I love it. So y'all might have heard a little accent there. She's, she's a fighter. <laughs> I want to know she is a fighter. So we had to bring a fighter into the building to get us fired up. So let's jump right in here. Kavanaugh. Oh, you know, this was 
this was it was a big deal. Well, it's a good lesson about power. Okay, explain. Because um, you know, when you control um when your folks show up of the fifty nine percent of folks that voted in twenty sixteen, and those folks are the ones that showed up and they win the White House and the Senate and the Congress and a lot of the governors in this, the country, mm. then you have power. So elections have consequences. So, and so elections have consequences. Okay. And this is one of our consequences. So let us know that we can turn that change. We can change that tide on November 6th now. So but explain to folks when they hear the Supreme Court of the United States, because they've seen a lot. And we have a lot of young people. A lot of young folks are yeah. now getting into the, this democracy. So yeah. I want you to understand that we have a range of folks listening to this show who are some going to be first time voters. Like they are, you know, 18, 19 20 year olds and you know they're tuning in to the coolest show on climate change because they they want to fight for their planet and so kind of explain to them not only why what happened with the supreme court was a big deal but what does it mean in regards to our voting rights and the environment let's let's just start from the beginning okay a hundred years of progressivism is what Mm. you said you know this is a progressive show we fight for progressive reforms everything we most of what we care about today happened because of decisions. We might have marched and we walked and we fought. That's right. Some folks went to jail for the Voting Rights Act. And we no longer have a full right Voting Rights Act. So that was one at the Supreme Explain Court. Explain that for the folks. It was, it, it was, um, Voting Rights Act was um, solidified. They gave everybody the right to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, access, full access, no discrimination. Every, no, you couldn't have to pay a tax anymore to vote. Mm. Um, and that was you wrote. And that for us today is no longer the case. Um, we have the right to go vote, but nobody does accountability. Mm. The second uh, issue is just the Brown versus Board of Education. Decisions about going to school and integration were done um, at the court at in the Supreme Court. Mm. And they are rolling that back. You can see that. Why are HBCUs um, really important today? Federal funding. Where federal funds come from. Where our money, where, where grant money comes from. Scholarship money comes from. Those are all decisions about discrimination, equity, are made at the court. The woman's right to choose. Make mm, a decision for her right. body. All of those decisions are being rolled back in the states. Mm. All of the thing, all the progress that we say a hundred years of rolling it back to progress, making it easy access to vote. We have two ways to influence decisions in this country. Two ways. Okay. One by voting, and one by showing up in our local city councils, in our communities. But we call it the Democracy Initiative, Democracy three hundred and sixty five days. Okay. Break it down. So this isn't just about showing up to vote. This is about making sure that the vote sticks. And what we say to folks that all the decisions that you care about are not necessarily made at the federal level. Hold on, take a step back. Yeah. So break down, you say democracy 365. As soon as this comes, so this is not only election day, but after election day. All right. So. Just to let's let's just so I will slow down and walk. We can walk together. Let's, let's walk. Let's come on. Let's, let's walk, walk together. So on come November 6th, right now, we show up three months out of the year for elections. Us black and brown folks, we get mad and we say, well, they don't come back. They only come around once a year and talk to us when they want our vote. 
So we collectively are not between October. Sometimes some communities are getting nice and they might show up about September. I might give you a little (laughs) brochure, a little hot dog, so your little music in the park. But we're saying September and October and November. And then November 6th, everybody comes around, you hear that music, you see those door knockers, everybody's knocking on your door. And then you roll out and vote, maybe half of you do. And then you don't see, then it's hush. Mm -hmm. You don't hear anything after. And we're saying, I'm saying, I'm challenging us, Rev, that sometimes we can't wait for folks to come to us. Come on, man. We now had to go. That's right. So we have to ask ourselves, young folks, do you know what happens at the city council? Your trash pickup, Mm. your sidewalk, your lights. We got folks in some cities in Detroit that don't have street lights that stay on at night. Mm. Those decisions are made locally. And those decisions are made at the local level. 59% of the voters told up, show up for the presidential election, the mm-hmm. big one. But on the interim in 2014, the, the same election cycle as this election cycle, the one where the president is not elected, but yet all the things that you care about might be elected in the states. Your, your, your so schools, like the, the midterms, off the election. 36% voted. Hmm. Where were we? That's what we call, those are the voters that don't vote all the time. That's where the difference can be made. All the things you care about, your health care decisions, the federal level, the court level, those decisions, that's where the funding might be. But the decisions on the delivery, what you get in your neighborhood, what you get in your local community, what your school looks like, what your neighborhood looks like. Is made there. If you're going to show up first anywhere, show up where it matters to you and your family. Come on, Wendy. Bring it home. So that to us is Democracy 365. If you're going to be on the field, you got to be on the field 365 days, not three, not 90 days a year, which is what we do. And then we complain. Now, I'm not saying the powers that be aren't out there to stomp us down. Well, that is for real. And, and we should discuss that, actually. We, we, we should have that we should have that conversation because I think, you know, one of the things there... Well, before we get into that, I want to. I do want to have a question about those those powers that be that want to get into the way. But yep. I want you to continue because this, this issue of local... And I think young folks in particular would love this, and I think what you're saying is so important. I love this Democracy 365 campaign. I think it's a, a, a component... Is there any other parts to it, like a petition that goes along with this? I mean, how else are you? So right now, first of all, we got to where where, where you and I first met, brother uh, Rearwood, was when the president decided that he was going to take his what they call folks a president's a commission on voting. Right. With a with a with a guy by the name of Chris Kobach from Kansas, the secretary of state now running for governor, by the way. Right. And he de- yes. they decided that they thought had this in the Voting Rights Act that used to be you couldn't just take people off the list. OK, now they say if you don't vote and you haven't voted often and you haven't showed up or maybe you moved and you didn't answer the mail, they're going to purge you. Mm. So where you and I first met was when they were running their commission, which was really a voter purge was to purge the folks who they didn't um, weren't on the list, hadn't voted in a while. So that's where you and I first met. And so that's designed, as they say, their cleanup to keep us from voting. That's the powers that be. 
and make sure that we have a difficult time going to the to the ballot. Now, just so you know, voting lists are kept locally. Voting lists are not kept nationally. So, again, that process starts locally. So I asked the young folks on the phone to think about jobs like volunteer, like clerk jobs. The average age of a clerk, they tell me, is about 71, 72 years old in this country. So, you know. Age of a clerk is 71, 72 years old? Yes. Yes. (laughs) So these are the people that monitor our lists and manage our lists. But. Just to, so at the local level, folks can be really active, make sure they're registered. That's the first thing. And we want to make sure that we collectively say, don't mess with our vote. So we have a petition that we want everyone to sign. And you can go to the democracyinitiative.org website. Again. Say it again one more time. Do not mess with our vote. No, no, I got that part. The <laughs> website. <laughs> Democracy Initiative. Dot org. Go there and sign it. And our plan is to deliver that petition to every city clerk. You can deliver locally, get folks signed up, do it statewide. But we want to be clear that in 18, 19 and 20, we're not going to have you purge us off the list. We're not going to tolerate that. That's the most basic thing. We can't be respected. We can't call our congressman. We can't call our state rep. You can't call your city mayor and you can't call your city council and get a good response if you're not on the voting rolls mm. in America. Well, folks, man, if you're just tuning in, you are tuning in. We just had a conversation with Wendy from the Democracy Initiative, and she is breaking it down for us. I'm so glad she is here on the coolest show on climate change as we talk about our right to vote, our right to healthy communities, and just discussing this matter, what we can do next, especially in light of the IPCC report that came out from the UN. It's such an important discussion here, and she's really going local. So, you know, just letting us know that, man, it's important on the federal it's important on the state, but that local component is such an important thing. But I actually want to go further on and discuss ballot initiatives that are, you know, pro-democracy and voting rights, particularly in Florida, which we saw with the reenfranchisement yep. for formerly, formerly, uh, uh, for returning citizens. Um, Maryland, the statewide election day registration and a, the small, the small donor matching fund in Baltimore, Michigan the fair redistricting proposal and a voting rights initiative and in Missouri, which is an anti-corruption clean election initiative and so many more of these, these, these state campaigns. How, what are you, how does that fit into this process? So I first want to say to you, uh, Rev, your, the work that you're doing and Mustafa is doing, uh, I believe your audience is the game changers. These are the game changers. Y'all hear that y'all? Y'all are the game changers. You heard it here from Wendy Field. And I will agree, Wendy, with that. They are the game. But tell them why they are the game changers. You're young. You're brown and black. We have to diversify. We've been having these uh, climate fights. We're impacted in Baltimore. I'm glad you brought Baltimore. We have a fair elections. What that really means is that we're leveling the playing field that anybody can run for office. You don't need to raise hundreds and thousands of dollars. You can combat the corporate money in that city. Um, you know you have lead in your water there. You know you have high asthma rates in Baltimore. Um, you, this is an opportunity to vote on that ballot and say anybody can run. Just like you, just like me. You talked about the sister earlier who ran for office at a very young age. Imagine. Um, those that are impacted the most make the most change, make the most change ineffectively. 
When I need you to unpack that for I need you to unpack that. Yeah. You said a lot there, and I want to deal. Let's deal with Baltimore. Yeah. Because you mentioned with the lead, and we, 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 we see what is going on from Flint, but literally, as Mustafa says, and Anthony say all the time, this is going on all over the country in regard to the lead poisoning of our children. And you mentioned that, and we know the connection. This show tries to connect the dots. We had Freddie Gray who had lead poisoning, and then we connected dots with regarding Black Lives Matter and, and police reform and police accountability and these things. And so as you're discussing the statewide election day registration and small donor matching fund in Baltimore, I, I need you to kind of unpack that because we have a lot of folks who are in, who are, who are listening to the show mm-hmm, in Maryland, mm-hmm. and I think they need to understand how does that build power? Yeah. So the first thing is... um Elect, election day registration will be on is statewide. And what's the election day registration does, it says no matter what, you can vote that day because you can show up and have the right to register to vote on election day. So many of our populations in the country, Illinois has this law. We won and fought that last this summer, this past summer. It increases the voter turnout. So imagine that you can go and and you didn't know where you lived last or you your family members missed the registration date, they can register on election day. Mm. That's a huge, that's powerful in our communities and our black and brown communities. And for young folks at school who don't get their absentee ballot, you know how you forget the absentee ballot when you're out of state or away from home, you can register to vote. In Maryland, in Baltimore, the ability to win an election, shout out to NAACP, yes, who was pivotal, pivotal in the fight in uh, Howard County, I will say. Come on, They join like in uh, U.S. PERG and LCV. We are throwing down together. So what is it? It changes. It changes. The conversation isn't just about voting. I want to go back to Democracy 365. If you're going to f- vote, then you may as well hold the folks accountable to deliver the water to deliver the justice, to deliver the clean water, to talk right. to you about the asthma rates and why, and why are they privatizing water and how expensive is that water bill? So the issue really is about not just voting. It's about what we want. That's right. So don't just say to your neighbor, you got to vote because it's about power. It's about if you don't show up, y'all can count. We know the deal, right? If we don't show up, they don't make the change. But when did let me say this? And, and man, I, first of all, we got to have you back because I mean, first of all, you're fantastic, and we got to make sure we got to take this on the road here. You know, yes, take yes, this, yes. Take this back, maybe to Michigan, you know, back here, maybe we flip something like that. We're gonna figure that out. But let me actually be a little bit. That's a conversation that we're having amongst a lot of young people. Yeah, they see this thing called democracy, mm-hmm. and they see it being overrun with money and politics. Yep. And a lot of young folks are saying, listen, you know, man, my voice is overshadowed because of what's being done with the money being poured into this process. And recently, you know, we had the director and the producer of the new film, Dark Money, on, uh, I think, 100%. And if you want to go back to any of those uh, our shows, go to think100.info, check out some of our past shows that we had some great guests. And she was one of them talking about the, the massive influx of this untraceable money pouring into our electoral process because of Citizens United. So I know 
that Democracy Initiative is focused on fighting big money in politics. So can you just take us to that area of your work and why that's so important? Um, again, one for running for the, the, the ability to, um, run any, for us to run and be a really truly representative democracy that we make those decisions and make the change for our communities. The second reason is to sort of eliminate the, ha- the buying of politicians. So I'll give mm. you, um, an example. There's a company called, uh, Viola. V-E-O-L-I-A. You can look them up. Y'all okay. should look them up. And they are around, they're like water privatization. And they are lobbying for privatizing water in Baltimore. At the same time, they are lobbying. They are responsible, partly responsible for the Flint crisis. Mm. So these companies are acting locally, but acting, but they, they operate locally, but they are acting nationally. And so we, this is important to sort of really push back on these corporations like this, big fossil fuel companies like Shell Oil, Nestle, who's also delivering water on a national level. Chevron. And Chevron, right? Or we take Chev- Chevron. 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 <laughs> and I think that I will say there will always be money. And we will run initiatives to corporate limits of money like right now is on the ballot in Missouri. That's right. You know Ferguson is important to us in the criminal justice work that uh, Black Lives Matter has done there. And we've got to reduce that money. But what we can't ask ourselves is our voices are not going to be muted. That's what they want. Mm. They want you off the field. They want you to feel disempowered. We know we win when we stand together. In Seattle, Washington, um, two publicly funded candidates, a woman beat a heavily candid, a heavily financed candidate. You can see Stacey Abrams is rocking it in, uh, in Atlanta, uh, 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 in the state of Georgia. If we act collectively, that's what's unique about the democracy initiative. It's labor folks throwing down with Young folks, young folks and climate folks and climate folks and labor can fight, you know, amongst themselves. <laughs> but democracy is a big unifier, right? That's right. That's right. So so we can throw down together and that's where the power comes from. You know, they have the power of the money, but we have the power of the people. Come on. And so this generation, in my opinion, along with our generation, it's not for us to just turn over and walk away, but to give them more space. You know, we have a program I'd love to just say for a minute, I'd love to partner with you on, Rev, is called Democracy Champions. We are deliver- We are developing and training young folks to be champions around democracy, mm. to sort of have the space um, so I can move on, you can move on, you know. <laughs> um, and so I just, I challenge you, and here's the, here's the deal. What happens when you don't? Mm. We know what's happening when you are not doing it. So for all of you that are sitting on HBCU, go and get your absentee ballot. Come call on, your mom, you call your dad, and don't, don't tell me about a stamp. Somebody told me that I couldn't find a stamp. Come on now, get a stamp. Or if you live in, Ball, or if you live in Maryland, October 16th is the deadline for, right, for, for, right. for voting. In Virginia, it's October 15th to register to vote. And in D.C., it's October 16th. So you have no excuse. You have no excuse. And if you want more information on that, man, you can definitely go to respectmyvote.com. We got some information there. Organized people can be organized money, and that's what we need to talk about as we go forward. 
our show here, Think Movies at the Coolest Show. Folks, that was Wendy Fields, Executive Director of Production Initiative. You are tuning in to Think 100% the Coolest Show on Climate Change. And Antonique recently sat down with my brother, Angelo Logan, who is the director of the Moving Forward Network in Los Angeles. Angelo Logan is the campaign director for the Moving Forward Network. The Moving Forward Network builds the capacity of network participants working to improve the freight transportation system in the areas of environmental justice, public health, quality of life, the environment, and labor. The network does this through communications to facilitate information sharing, sharing advocacy tools, funding research on emerging issues, peer-to-peer training, and facilitating regional and national workshops to unite network participants and attract new allies. The network also seeks to create national campaigns and educational initiatives on policies, undertaking outreach to new partners, and developing international links. Thank you so much, Angela, for being here. How are you today? Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you for being here. So how did you get involved in climate and environmental advocacy? A little bit of a, a long story, but um, that's all right. See. We got time. So uh, by <laughs> trade, I'm a mechanic. In my early to mid twenties, I was working as a mechanic, and I was living in the neighborhood that I, I grew up in. And um, about that time, when I was really getting involved in organizing my my shop, which was a, a a union representative shop. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a number of folks that were coming down with cancer, mm. uh, bronchitis, um, asthma mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. And um, actually the street that I grew up on had um, coined itself as the mini uh, cancer alley. And uh, with the amount of folks that were getting cancer and the amount of like asthma and bronchitis, um, you know, the neighborhood just got together and started asking questions. Wow. One of those questions was, you know, what's the cause of this of cancer? Right. Um, and the majority of the folks... Obviously not hereditary. Right, right. And, <laughs> and most of the folks actually were not uh, smokers or drinkers. Wow. And they were getting lung and throat cancer. So the neighborhood got together and we started asking questions. Um, we went to the local city council um, and we organized meetings. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the, you know, a number of months, the city um, actually said, you know, we're done here. We're not going to pursue this question anymore. We're not going to... Um, you know, answer your questions. Mm. Uh, if you don't like the environment, then you should just move. Ooh. And so a number of folks that um, I grew up with um, got together and said, you know, do we want to like accept this answer or do we want to organize our community and change the, right. the, the neighborhood? Um, and so we got, we started on a track of trying to transform our community from something negative to something mm-hmm. positive. That is amazing. There's so many positive parts about the community. Um, but you know, the environment, the air that we were breathing, yeah. Uh, the soil and the water and right. the ground, everything about it was just uh, harmful to the community. So um, we set out to try to change that. That's amazing. And, you know, over time, what we found out was that my community is like a lot of communities throughout the United States and throughout the world. Yeah. And so um, we started working to partner with other organizations um, in, in the, the, the region, mm-hmm. then within the state and now across the country. And eventually, we're going to be working with folks across the globe. Amazing. That is not a long story. That is a great story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Crazy that uh, somebody would tell you that you need to move to, to have clean air and clean water. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy. But that is the fight we're in. I'm so glad to be mm-hmm. fighting with you. Who is the Moving Forward Network, MFN, and why is it so essential in 2018? Well, the Moving Forward Network is a network of 
50 organizations. We're made up of community-based frontline groups. Mm -hmm. uh, we're made up of uh, mainstream environmental organizations um, and academic partners. Um, and we come together to um, really pool resources, mm -hmm. to gather information mm -hmm. so that we can be a more uh, stronger, a more united um, network to move our agenda for environmental and climate justice. Um, so really, we, we got together um, organically, mm -hmm. uh, and we decided that as these organizations came together, that we realized that we couldn't do it by ourselves, mm -hmm. that we need to get together and build a stronger movement mm -hmm. so that we can have clean air, specifically in and around like port and freight communities. Um, and you, you read the description, and it talks about transforming the um, uh, global trade system, mm -hmm. but really what we're trying to do is transform the communities that are impacted by that, that trade system. Right. And as you may know, um, places like ports, whether it's in you know Southeast Asia, or whether it's in Long Beach and Los Angeles, or in New York, New Jersey, um, they're heavily impacted by toxic air pollution from the ships, the trains, and the trucks, and all mm -hmm. of the equipment. Mm -hmm. So um, these are neighborhoods that we call uh, diesel death zones. There's so much diesel in those areas that um, that folks are getting cancer, asthma, bronchitis, yeah. all types of illnesses and all types of other impacts to the community because mm -hmm. of those um, uh, the environmental injustice that is happening in their communities. So we are coming together to kind of figure out a common agenda, common goals. We build uh, capacity. We, um, we um, identify a common policy agenda. Um, and we work together to um, launch national campaigns. Mm. So that's a little snippet of the Moving Forward Network. That's great. Can you help our viewers and listeners get a better understanding of what Goods Movement is and what are some of the impacts that communities are dealing with? Goods Movement is the kind of policy term. Mm -hmm. and a lot of folks have been pushing back against this policy term because the, the word good is in it. <laughs> um, and really, they call it goods movement because it moves goods like products. Right. But there isn't really much good about goods movement industry. Um, you know, even to the point where um, industry has pushed back and said, look, we're providing jobs. But really, um, uh, the majority of what's happening in and around the freight system mm -hmm. is that uh, folks are uh, exposed to elevated cancer uh, from air pollution an elevated risk of harm because the uh, the amount of trucks and trains mm -hmm. in the communities, um, the um, freight system is competing for funds um, with uh, infrastructure, whether that's roads or water mm -hmm. systems or bus systems. And just um, along the 17 corridor here in Los Angeles, um, they're proposing a project that's like in the nine billion dollar uh, range to facilitate more trucks to go from the ports to the warehouses right. in the region. Um, imagine what we can do with $9 billion with our school system, yep. or with our parks, or with our hospitals, mm -hmm. right? But really, this is helping to facilitate um, the movement of products right. that they're pushing on us to continue to consume. Yep. And we consume those, and then we um, recycle that stuff, right, and send it back to China to get made into yet another Barbie mm -hmm. or another car part so that we can continuously consume. Yep. So what's happening in the community is that um, these trucks, trains, and ships are just spewing out diesel exhaust, and that's the number one concern. Um, there's a whole bunch of other issues that are happening as well because mm -hmm. of the impacts to traffic and the impacts to the, the community in general, the mm -hmm. blight, 
um, and, and even the jobs. Um, and uh, but that toxic toxic exposure mm-hmm. um, is really a carcinogen. Mm. Um, it's a cancer causing agent. Yeah. Um, and um, as an example, although we worked cro- we work across the country, the the Los Angeles area is the most polluted region in the nation. And the number one source of that pollution comes from the ports of LA and Long Beach because the amount of ships, trucks, and trains. Um, and so um, our job really is to, you know, kind of work towards that triple bottom line and make sure that we have good jobs, that we have um, a good environment, and that we have, uh, you know, decent communities to live in. Right. And so we can do that. And what we're working towards is promoting zero emission technologies and a decent work environment for the folks that work in the warehousing and that work at the ports mm-hmm. and the truck drivers. Um, and so, again, that's a little snippet. Um, it's really complex. There's a lot that goes on within the global trade system, within the freight system. Uh, but our number one task at this point in time is to make sure that the industries um, pay for those externalized costs that we as, uh, assume as residents. Um, you know, they put out all this pollution into the air, um, and we're paying for the cost of cheap goods as they're moving throughout our communities through our lungs. Uh, and so um, we need to um, have the industry internalize those costs to make sure that when they're moving those goods, um, that they're doing it in a way that's not harming our communities, that we're not paying for it right. through our lungs. Right, paying for it twice. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> What are some of the most important issues and campaigns you are focusing on? So the, the two major national campaigns that we've worked on over the last couple of years is uh, during, during the Obama administration, we worked on a zero emission technology campaign, really pushing to get the uh, federal government to require the states to implement zero emission technology, mm-hmm. meaning vehicles that don't pollute, that mm-hmm. don't have tailpipes. But, you know, in the transition with this new administration, uh, we're no longer promoting because we just don't have that momentum to be able to um, promote mm-hmm. the positivity we have mm-hmm. now at, at the point where we're uh, defending, right. right? We're in defense mode. Uh, Definitely. We're in defense mode, but we're also, you know, prepping so that when the time comes, we can strike, right? right? And we can actually move forward an agenda to get our communities in a better position. But meanwhile, as we're doing that, we're defending uh, the Clean Air Act and the National Environmental Policy Act. Those two um, acts, uh, ironically, were passed by a bi- uh, bipartisan uh, uh, initiative in 1972 by the federal government. And both of those um, set health standards, um, air quality standards set through health standards. And so at minimum, we need the Clean Air Act and NEPA to protect our communities. Um, right now, uh, this administration has actually sent out a notice mm-hmm. saying that they're going to be stripping away or working towards stripping away some of the key elements within the National Environmental Policy Act. Um, and um, we're working diligently to make sure that our representatives are going to um, stand by our side and protect those two important policies. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about green zones and how they're different from other community redevelopment models? Sure. So um, green zones, uh, I think the term is pretty broad, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of folks throughout the country and the world um, have different definitions. Um, but the green zones that I've worked on over a number of years really has to do with um, four pillars. The first is 
that we um, prevent new harms. Mm -hmm. So through a land use and redevelopment strategy, um, we make sure that developments that could be harmful are not going to be placed right next to daycare centers, to schools, or to um, the fact senior that we have to fight for that is crazy, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so we want to make sure that that kind of land use policy is in place so we can have these protections, right? right. That um, distance matters. So we want to make sure that if you have a toxic facility like a chrome plater or a um, lead smelter, that it's a safe distance. Mm. Just that's a baseline, right? right? It's, it's a common sense kind of a thing. Uh, the you second think. is that um, we redevelop these blighted sites so that they can be real community assets. Mm. So if they're brownfields or they're an old gas station mm -hmm. or uh, a vacant building, that that can be converted into something that's positive mm -hmm. for the community and that's not toxic. Now, we yes. shouldn't have to settle for, well, either you get this toxic facility or you get a vacant lot. Right. Now, we, we deserve more. So a green zone is really about redevelopment. Uh, a, a green redevelopment that's going to provide good jobs and a good environment for the local communities. Um, the third is that um, that we use these kind of specific uh, plans to really engage the community mm -hmm. so that they can really identify what's needed in their community uh, and on their blocks so that they can be not just surviving but mm -hmm. thriving. It can be a thriving community so they can have a good transportation system, they have good jobs, access to parks, schools, libraries, and um, places where they, they might need uh, to visit like grocery stores mm. or um, mm -hmm. pharmacies, you know, things that um, usually our communities don't have access to, that right. they have to drive to or take a bus, you know, a far distance to get good groceries. Yep. So, um, and, and the, the last is a, a revitalization in such a way that um, they can attract um, businesses, so it could become a hub um, for businesses that want to do the right thing. Those are um, some basic concepts of the green zones that I've worked on in the past. Very dope. That's really dope. What are some of the greatest challenges facing environmental justice communities over the next couple years? Well, I don't know about the next couple years because I think um, really at the end of the day, um, we're talking about environmental racism. Yeah. And um, you know, the reason that we have onslaught of polluting facilities is the same reason that we have an onslaught of police brutality in mm. the communities. Uh, folks that are making policies um, need to really look through a lens mm. of um, the systemic racism, mm. know that the policies that they're making are perpetuating environmental racism and other types of systemic problems in our communities. So, so just this idea of having uh, land use policy mm -hmm keep that separation from uh, sensitive populations, young children, elderly, mm -hmm. um, you know, that wouldn't happen in a more affluent neighborhood, right? That's true. Um, so we need to get to the core of the, the uh, policymaking and making sure that we're addressing environmental racism, um, that, um, that we shouldn't shy away from that. Right. That we should, um, you know, face it head on and address it in a way that um, makes sense to protect communities. And if you look at, you know, the United States just generally, you know, we're looking at communities that um, have suffered the brunt of uh, environmental impacts. Um, those those communities tend to be working class, working poor communities of color. And so we need to start there and make sure that we're not continuously bombarding those communities right. 
in a way that no other community should deserve. Right. Um, so I think the, some of the biggest issues that we're going to be dealing with and, you know, between now and I don't even know the short term, but I think land use is a big one, you know, because, um, we have so many different components to land use. We have affordable housing. We have, um, the, the kind of struggle for acquisition of land, whether that's for manufacturing or others. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually the folks that get caught in the middle are the folks that can't afford to be in a different place. Right. Um, and so I think land use, um, is going to be a big issue. Um, and, um, this kind of, this thing around cheap goods, you know, so land use and the fight for, um, the way in which we kind of, um, see ourselves in this kind of uh, consumer society. Mm. We need to kind of really think about um, not just where we live, Mm -hmm. but what we're creating in and around us. So if we're consuming cheap goods, um, that means we're creating all kinds of other issues, right? right? So um, I think those are two pretty big issues over the next, I don't know, decade. Mm. Um, But um, I don't know about the short term. I mean, there's the, all the problems we're dealing with are, are long-term issues. Right now, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so more than likely, we will still be, uh, not even more than likely, with this current administration, I'm almost sure we'll be dealing with a lot of these same issues in a couple yeah. of years. If you could sit down with President Trump for five minutes, what would you want him to know about the communities you serve, and what would be your ask of him? Yeah, so thank you for the, the offer and the invite, but I'm going to pass. You know, I just, I don't think that is, (laughs) I just, I I just feel like I'd rather sit down with, you know, uh, a community member, a neighbor, uh, somebody that I can really talk to and have an authentic conversation with, uh, and engage them so that they can, um, share information with their family and their friends so that we can build power in our communities so that, you know, the next generation can have that power to really, um, Determine for themselves what right. their communities look like. Uh, Trump doesn't care about us. He doesn't care. He's not gonna. We're that's not gonna true. convince him. Why sit and talk to the man yeah. if he don't care? Yeah. He doesn't. So it's, I think it's a it's a bit I of a care. waste of time or trap. And there's some nuances around that with policy work. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think that you know I I prefer to spend my time um with folks that are gonna make a difference. And so I'll pass. I hear that. I'm with you. I'll pass. <laughs> How can we win on environmental justice and climate justice issues? Well, I think, you know, uh, that's a complicated question. It is. Um, but I think we first start with uh, community solutions mm-hmm. um, that we're not going to um, have some um, kind of big policy figure, uh, mayor, governor, congress member figure it out for us. Mm-hmm. I think the folks that are in the front lines, folks that are doing the work that see it day to day mm-hmm. are going to figure out the solutions. Mm-hmm. So I think that there needs to be more of a democratic process in which we engage folks to better understand how we're going to make that difference happen. So any big policy that happens has to happen from the ground up. Um, and so I think that means that we need to really start thinking about how we pull uh, communities together mm-hmm. through a democratic process to figure out how we're going to reach this global crisis, right. right? How we're going to address this global crisis. Um, and, and I think that really means how do we become more democratic? Right. You know, some of these, um, kind of 
policy um, solutions that folks have put together, at the end of the day, they're really um, benefiting the big corporations mm -hmm. that are the problem in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, so when you look at the policies that have been created, you know, the folks that have helped to draft them are these big corporations that are looking out for their best interests. Right. And it's time to really turn to the community, turn to real folks to understand what the issues are and how, right. how we might be able to um, solve them. Right. Um, so real de democracy is important. And I think really addressing that systemic issue around environmental racism is um, getting to the issue. And if we start there, I think that, you know, our future generations have a real future. I agree. So I'm going to wrap these last two questions together. What gives you hope for the future and how can people find MFN and follow you? My community. Mm. You know, I, every time I engage with folks in my community in a real and authentic way, mm -hmm. I see the beauty in it. Mm. And that's the real reason that um, I engaged in this fight in the first place right. is the love for my community. Right. And, you know, that includes my family, my right, friends, right. my neighbors, you know, all those folks. And my community is becoming bigger and bigger. You know, I, I spent some time in New Jersey um, hey. and it was like it was like my neighborhood. You know, it was like it was very similar. The accent's different. Yeah. But it was very similar, you know, in the Ironbound community. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's uh, really hope is within the community. Um, and so I think. I have faith in our, in our, the, I don't want to say our future generations because the young folks are not just the future, but they're the now. Right. They're the folks making the difference. So yeah, I have hope in, in our community, especially, uh, the young folks coming up and yeah. making those cross generational connections. Mm -hmm. Um, and in terms of connecting with MFN, mm -hmm. uh, I want to encourage folks to go to the moving forward network, uh, dot org. Um, also, we have a campaign going right now called Act for Community Health. Um, that's hashtag Act for Community Health. And that's really a way to engage and make sure that you're helping to um, push out the message to our federal representatives mm. to protect these really critical environmental justice policies. Dope. That is dope. Y'all make sure y'all follow MFN. And thank you so much, Angela, for being here. This was awesome. Thanks for joining us this week on Think 100% The Coolest Show on Climate Change, a hip-hop caucus platform. Let's keep this important dialogue going. Be a part of the conversation by following us on social media at Think 100 Show and at Hip Hop Caucus. Visit our website at think100.info for blog content, information on upcoming events, or to connect with us. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever podcasts are available so you'll never miss an episode. Rate and review us or simply tell a friend. Climate change impacts all of us. And if we think 100%, we can achieve a 100% sustainable and just world together. Big 100, big 100.